good, Internet, and welcome to session 65 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. I am your Super Saiyan Instinct, Alex Arona. And if I'm going to be your Kamehame host this podcast, you know who's always also with me? Our very own Master Roshi, Joel DeWitt. Hey, Joel, what's good? Is this just my giant turtle shell that I wear wherever I go, or is it my sick martial arts build? I Or is this, I another, say, bald, is this another bald joke? I was going to say <laughs> is a sweet this mustache just joke. I'll, I'll go with a sweet mustache joke. And taking our coveted third seat is Yajirobi of the show, Eric Getty Gettinger. Yo, Getty. You like that? You thought I was going to say dead Yamsha because you go into the fetal position all the time. Nah, I actually like this. It works pretty well. I'm just that lazy. <laughs> I will murder you. Also with us, special guest, one of the developers of Steamhounds and former interview guest, our first ever interview, Andrew Trahan. You can be Krillin, the strongest human there is. You know what? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, although that does beg the question. Is Krillin the normal type Pokemon of the Dragon Ball universe? I mean, even if he is the, you know, highest percentage of Rattatas, he's still a Rattata, so. <laughs> can, can normal type Pokemon learn cut? I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> yes, yes, they can. Okay. I, I want to say they can. Okay, then I don't yes. think so. He, he is the normal type then. Okay. These are all questions for the universe. But let's get this train of moving, because shit gets real. Like, real, real. In Early Adopters this week, we explore the peaceful space while also learning what a pocket card jockey is in the Backlog blog. We also give Joel a pass at the news and round it out with our guest segment with Andrew. But first, Early Adopters, where we play alphas, betas, and games that remind us of me... Well, it's not remind us, it reminds me of all of my adult fears. <laughs> Getty, you wanted to play Kill It With Fire. Yes, I did. <laughs> Why kidding? did you? It looks so good, and it's such a good game too. Another a running joke that we described last a couple episodes ago is that in a Dungeons and Dragons game, we were attacked by spiders the size of dogs. That's all fine and good, except for I decided to burn the entire forest to the ground. I then asked my wife if she would do the same, and she says without question. If there was a spider inside, a spider the size of a dog in my house, we burn the entire place to the ground. That being said, kill it with fire. Is you finding? Spiders that jump around, and you then have to kill them with fire. You don't have Getty. to kill them just with fire, okay? You can kill them. No, let them me tell you, I burnt the mother flipping apartment to the ground. Every time they gave me the ability to set things on fire, they're like, oh, use ninja stars. Oh, use a clipboard. No, I'm setting it all on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I played this I played this game at night. That was a mistake. It was so it's just like the whole aesthetic of the game. Okay, so we're talking uh Right now it's on the Steam store. You can play the first couple of rooms because that's how it's broken up. But it's it's your first person. It's a, a little pixelated, but overall still really fun to look at. But like Alex was saying, they just like throw all this different stuff at you that you can use to kill the spiders. And the spiders are hidden around the house. And it's even it's even more so the fact that you could pick up like a painting and sh- like 3D spin it and find spiders in the back yeah but there's just i think the music and like the jump scares that they use are just really <laughs> really funny to me because you'll andrew i'm i'm so sorry you had to come in on this one <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i this this game is very much like if, if i had to empathize with any kind of character this is the number one number one right here because i remember 
moving into one of my first apartments in Florida. And man, when I moved in, I did not inspect the place properly. And there was a spider that had laid eggs, apparently. And this was just me. This this was just me minus, uh, minus, uh, well, flames and ninja stars, pretty much. So... (laughs) <laughs> Just so you had board. a pistol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah, but we don't, uh, we don't, we don't talk about that. Um, so <laughs> you get C four. You get C four. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I quit before I got to that point. <laughs> I thought I got through the whole thing. Maybe I didn't get some of the secrets. It's a hidden, I think the, it's the, a hidden secret. Yeah. 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 One of the better parts of this was there being some kind of like secrets and stuff like that to explore. And like, I mean, the gameplay itself was all well and good. Um, I mean, most of the times. I didn't have any ammo left over because it was all gone as soon as I got it, especially that flamethrower because that was the most effective thing. I remember in, uh, gosh, is it the second level where there's just like a giant bookcase and then they give you some flamethrower ammo and I'm like, I hear a spider. I can hear it. Let's just torch this whole thing. The entire thing. (laughs) Did you cause yourself any damage by setting everything to blaze? You know what? You could hurt yourself? No. Can you you hurt yourself? That's the thing. Okay. All right. I didn't know. I, You guys all got farther than me. So my experience was I started and I got to the first sort of room with like the TV and the, the dames and like the closet, like introduction area. And I, I got through the first several sort of hidden spiders. And then I got to one that scurried off somewhere. And I couldn't find it. And this is where you got the, the shurikens, the throwing stars. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so by that point, like I'm I've got awful aim as I'm trying to hit this thing stittering about because there's no cursor or reticle to show you where you're aiming at, which I, I think that's probably intentional because if it, they did, it'd be too precise. But uh, this is definitely the kind of game that seems like they want to sort of purposefully kind of fudge your accuracy a bit to add to the the crazy of trying to catch these things. Uh, yeah, won't catch, kill, just kill these things. The ridiculousness but, of if you actually had a handgun and you were chasing the spider <laughs> yeah. through your house, they wanted to feel, at least that's how I think, they wanted to feel like that. Did did anybody else, like, did a spider jump through the television at them? No, no. but I definitely had them, like, jump out kind of at me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and I think that, like, my, I did this to myself a little bit because I there there are a couple bookshelves in that first area with the like living room space. Oh, the smaller ones, yeah. Right, right, and I got to a point where the thing scurried off. I didn't figure out how to use the little tracker sensor thing that they give you. Uh, had like a little like handheld, uh, you know, in the hospital, like the thing that checks your heart rate and like the ups and down of the line and then if you yeah. flatline you're dead I forget, what are those things called EKG, EKG? <laughs> sure mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but so I, I was struggling and finally I just got frustrated and I was like tearing stuff off the wall grabbing all the books off the bookshelves and throwing them around <laughs> just trying to find something and then by the time I was all done with it everything was on the floor everything was a mess I had less of a clue where to find anything and I was like well I'm done <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this now. That's when you set it on fire because exactly. it will just grab it. Grab like I've had it where the bookshelf and I saw like three of them scurry out and I was like, oh God. And they keep running when they're on fire. I, I think this is the kind of perfect game that would work well in like a living room with a handful of friends. And 
one person playing it and others watching it and then passing the control around and taking turns the the visual of just the the craziness happening and watching somebody try to uh frantically kill the spider with a gun or shurikens or or a flamethrower or something <laughs> uh just the the visual comedy of it i think is what is really appealing to this for me well you know what that means and, we're gonna have to buy it yeah. for extra life this year <laughs> I'll, I'll buy it's gonna be on the wish list and i am gonna make my wife play this as well oh my god you guys saw that there's gonna be jumping spiders right oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. does You're this de- game incentivizing me so, so this is gonna be the midnight spooky game then huh mm-hmm. does this game oh man VR? if we make Ke- i told kevin about this and kevin has an actual deathly fear of insects and i wanted to spring this on him but like kevin needed to play this game and then instead i just told him about it and he's like that makes me want to stab my eyes out. I absolutely don't want to watch that. It says, yeah, th- th- I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of spiders. I just don't like them. So they do kind of make my skin crawl. And I, I do a thing where I will, whenever we bring these beta tests to the table, I generally try to knock out, I'll beta test five games and then bring one or two to an episode. So I sat down and I was like, okay, it's like 10 o'clock. I'm going to stay up to like 1 a.m. just beta testing games and just knock out a couple of, a bunch of them that, you know, we'll see what we like. And I think this was the last one. And at the end of it, I just, I, it was like 12.30, 12.45 in the morning, and I'm just like, I'm tired. And then I'm playing it. I'm like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate this game. I hate it. I hate all the... Uh, make it. I'm glad I didn't have nightmares. But no, they, the, the one thing I did want to say is that they there were hidden puzzles. If you kill very specific spiders... It would unlock different like safes or drawers, and uh, eventually you get in the closet. There's a hidden safe that if you get all the spiders, you will get C4. Yep. I there did. is also an upgrade path. I didn't mess with the upgrade path, Getty. Did you? Uh, not really, because it was very limited, uh, having only completed so many of the challenges. So each stage presents a couple of different challenges for you to complete, and uh, then you can get points for doing that that you can use to upgrade and you can also upgrade the sensor the spider sensor by collecting batteries throughout the stage but one of the things that was kind of buggy for me and i don't know if you guys tried to find all the batteries but there was one in one of the waste bins i accidentally went up to it and kicked it and the battery Mm -hmm. disappeared through the world so oops (laughs) obviously not not a finished product here but still for me, very entertaining. It definitely uh, has potential to be that kind of insanity generator that you look for in some of these games. Oh yeah, C four man. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, this is this definitely brought a lot of hilarious ideas, especially because like I know you said like oh shooting a gun to try to kill a spiders, but I imagine myself doing that, <laughs> and yeah, my accuracy, it just it made me laugh out loud just thinking about that kind of stuff. So, um, I think that uh, yeah. Kill it with fire on the wish list. Next game, Family Man. Now, this one has a little bit of history for me because when we started this podcast, we were brainstorming and trying to come up with ideas of what we could do as a podcast. And when we first thought of beta tests... And you thought of starting a family. No, I applied to like 10 beta tests initially. And uh, this was one of them. This is still this has been in development for quite some time, and I saw this very early on. We had just missed when we started the podcast. We had just missed the first, the last beta test for this game, and now there is a demo for it on Steam. 
The game is Family Man, and it is kind of the story of Breaking Bad, but in Minecraft art form. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a weird one. Uh, Joel, what did you, what did you you played this? Did you play this this afternoon or did you play it earlier? Played it ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was an hour ago. Let's let's be honest and fair about it. Here. But uh, what did you what did you think about it playing it? Uh, two words: voxel cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sent a photo, and it's of uh, one of the, the the nurse in that game uh, with. Well, how I don't know how they gave her cleavage. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, well, I <laughs> just uh, a nice little square in the center of her chest, and an, and a, a, just a nice thin line <laughs> separating. I mean, you know, this I'll give this Dane credit. Like it, it was a little bit of a slow burn starting out, but uh, the events that happen in this prologue are kind of insane. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it ratchets up so quickly, and uh, everything moves so quickly when they're trying to do this intro, which is really like different sequences of events, like little. It reminds you know what it reminds you of uh, the movie Up in the intro, <laughs> where they're going no, through the different wait, what? parts, <laughs> the, like, the different oh, parts of like the life of uh, yeah, uh, was his name Carl in that? I forget. Yep. But Mr. Fredrickson. Uh, yeah, but like it's one of Getty's favorite movies. <laughs> but uh, you know, it reminds me of that. And like, it was these little vignettes of like the where you first meet the the woman you're with, and and then uh, uh, marriage, having a child, and then like a Christmas where you're talking to some people about being on tough times and not having money, and then they allude to your friend Bobby having this contact that is going to have some sort of big store and it's at your work and they almost like treat it like office space where you're dabbling in things and adding a, a percentage mar- cut margin or something like that to forward off to this guy's bank account or something like that. But you get caught and fired from your job and that sort of spurns a bunch of different spawns and a bunch of different events that leads you to basically being like indebted to this guy and uh, assigned with taking on jobs for him to pay him back. It's just it's funnier how he kind of tricks you into killing your best friend with a with a gun. Uh, I, I legitimately spoilers. didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plot. It's just the prologue. It's not even out. the game. Yeah, but people don't need to know that. Mister Fredrickson's I, wife dies. Now that's just depressing. <laughs> that's just the plot of that's up. just life yeah. <laughs> that's just that doesn't to do with anything so it, yeah it ends up being that you have to work for the mafia by doing odd jobs around town uh starting with working at the fa- local fast food mcdonald's you know kind of thing and then progressing into actual mob work that means you get your hands dirty well you have to it seems like well, the guys say that every friday you have to work for him yeah, and then it, it's going to get dark. Oh, you know it's going to get it dark. It looked real dark, even like the little sizzler trail at the end. It was like, oh, do you like pixelated blood? Now you have to clean it up with this mop. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, the, the the whole, like, Duplo slash Roblox look, it, it, <laughs> I, I, this might just be a measure of how many of these types of style games I've played, but it's, it's wearing a little thin on me. Um, what? Yeah, <laughs> I honestly haven't seen. I mean, I've seen a bunch, of course, but I haven't 
seen enough to feel like it's been overdone. I mean, but I guess I don't have kids who are playing Roblox, mm-hmm. so I, I guess I don't know as much about that. Like I know that the whole Minecraft and Minecraft Steve, and there's all this content for kids that is specifically for Minecraft, but I haven't seen it used elsewhere, and that's kind of what drew me to this is the fact that it's it looks silly, it acts silly, but it it's so trying to be gritty in a real way that it just it kind of it makes me laugh it also makes me a little bit uncomfortable that i kind of want to play more of it also parts of it feel very heavy rainish <laughs> like the oh, the chores God. you have to do at the house yeah <laughs> you know? uh that, that that very much evoked like me standing there at the the saint with the razor shaving at the start of heavy rain when we played that and i i hope they don't lean too heavily into that kind of like you're going to do mundane tasks to make this feel immersive while also looking like something from the Lado movie. But I, you know, I, the little snippet we got was a little too early to tell how much of that there'd be a lot. And I also would hope that maybe, uh, they start off and this, this rough net guy, he, he's telling you like, Oh, well, every Friday's my night where you're going to do my jobs. That's going to be like this, the super serious stuff. But then he's like, don't, don't worry to that pizzeria nearby <laughs> and like is it gonna be six days of the week out of doing odd jobs and minimum wage jobs to pay him a daily stipend and then doing the serious stuff one day a week is that gonna be how it works i think so yeah. that's that was that's that's what i gathered from it but it, it was funnier i went up to the mcdonald's guy and he goes yeah you can work here just make sure you spit in every other person's food and steal from the till, but only when the camera's not looking. Whoa. And don't get caught spitting. So it's like, like they even add more, like, weird, sinister tones to that, where the, the manager's like, I don't care. They don't pay me enough anyways. <laughs> Did you actually like, get to do one of the jobs? Because yeah. I, so I played through it twice um, because I got up to the first part and, like, I got I got through the game and then I saw, like, I was exploring the town a little bit and then I'm like, oh crap, I got no time left. Well, so much for that. And so so it was bugging me though. So I tried to play through again and I absolutely just like sprinted at <laughs> to, to, to go do the job basically. Um, and I could not like, th- there was no time. Like I'm not like a professional speedrunner or anything like that, but it was not <laughs> like, I really wanted to see like what the depth of the mini game style stuff was gonna be. Um, because it seems like that's going to be a lot of your time if you only have to do a job on a Friday. Like, there's a lot of quote game around that um, that where it's basically for you to like form relationships with the people in the town, so you feel invested in what happens during the game. And then it's like, oh, it's Friday. I got to put all that aside, and who knows what's going to happen? Basically, like I might have to. Well, I don't know. Given the like the tone of this game, I might have to kill like one of these random like villagers or whatever so yeah i wouldn't know because the first thing i did was uh punch the mafia guy and he shot me and i <laughs> oh, did, oh yeah. <laughs> what did did I, yeah 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 well you know what i th- this game starts with you getting in a bar fight <laughs> i i oddly had a lot of fun <laughs> you know just <laughs> punching the guy at the start with these kind of uh, uh muddy uh first person shooter <laughs> controls and uh so that was oddly fun and i was like i wonder what happens if you punch him and he just shoots straight up shoots you and just goes into a cinematic <laughs> sort of teasing the full game after that wow oh man i can't believe i missed that <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I didn't get into the minigame. Uh, just going through the dialogue of listening to that, that manager, like I was just watching the time tick down. I was like, no, I'm so close. I want to play. I want to be a McDonald's burger employee. I mean, I guess the demo worked then, right? You got you just up to the point that you actually wanted to play. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. And I think Family Man as a whole kind of sold me on this idea that you can still do more with that art style. And in this way, it's gone so far. Like, you know, you do like, oh, we're playing, you know, we're playing Minecraft, but then you also make like uh, like a more story-based Minecraft or you make another thing like that. But this one just went the complete like, oh, we're wading deep in there. We're making it gritty and we're making it serious and we're making it deep. But I mean, yeah, also they, they did some stuff like that with uh, Cloudpunk, right? A little bit of Cloudpunk had that kind of voxel look to it mm-hmm. where you're the cab driver. I don't know. I think I'm I'm in on Family Man. Uh, what did you guys all think? Uh, Andrew, you start. What, did you did you think that you would like to go further into it or do you think that you've kind of got a taste of it, what it, what it really is? I mean, I think the demo really got to me when I was first trying it. I'm like, uh, I don't know like how connected I really feel to this character or to quite honestly anybody <laughs> who's right. like who like that I'm interacting with. Um, but once I like saw that there's like a whole bunch of people to interact with and there's like mini game kind of stuff, it started at least to me in the beginning, it looked like it started to scratch that like Shenmue itch a little bit, which it's not really about the story. It's about interacting with everything around it, kind of. So, like, I, I you know what? I, I, I think I'll, I think I'll pick it up. Hmm. All right, it's sold on you too. Uh, Getty, what did you think? I'm good. I, don't, I don't think I need to go back to it. Okay. And Joel? <laughs> uh, I mean, I could lie to you and say that I'm doing the data. But uh, there's nothing wrong with the game, and this is more a measure of my lack of time <laughs> than oh, okay. than a complete disinterest in it. Uh, well, that and also being uh, again knee deep in Roblox at home. <laughs> well, and uh, different various betas and alphas that I, I play at your request. But that's, <laughs> that's a different topic for a different time. Uh, I will say just a just a, a little bit of a rebuttal. Um, this is being published by No More Robots, which Mike Rose, who is the kind of you know person behind that, his track record for backing games is very very good. Like everything else in that No More Robots uh, portfolio is really good. So I'd be I'd see I'd be surprised if this was the odd one out. Yeah, you know actually, we we actually played uh, Not Tonight, uh, which was one of them they they released. Uh, Handful of months back, right, Alex? Yep, and no, and they they did uh, no more profit. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. There's yep. a couple others that we've been roped into from Alex that they put out. <laughs> roped into. <laughs> I, I'm looking at uh, Hypnospace Outlaw still, where I'm like, man, I should probably play some Hypnospace Outlaw. Hypnospace is very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no more robots has a good track record for sure. Okay, and if you will excuse me. I need to tear apart my house to make sure there aren't any spiders. Hold on, I need to start the stove. Access to my OnlyFans page. Give it a peek and let me know. 
We're not we're not here endorsing OnlyFans. We're not, but I'm intrigued to see what's on Joel's page. Me too. <laughs> me too. You know what? Me too. I don't know. Andrew, every, every week now we have decided to try to seduce the news. It is not going well. <laughs> it it kind of traps with our real life record <laughs> of actually trying to seduce people. <laughs> at least there's symmetry. We're mildly successful, aren't we all married? Yeah, we at least fooled one person. <laughs> it only needs to happen once. Yep. Yeah, that's true. First piece of news, Bloodborne rumored in development on PC. It's exciting to see that PC is starting to go the way of Xbox. Uh, I'm, I would be hyped on an, was an Xbox Game Pass version of PS, you know, PSN Game Pass, you know, PlayStation Now, something like that, that would work. Uh, Bloodborne, I would be excited for more people to play it, specifically Kevin Hartwig, but I'm not going to play it on PC because I am close enough that I kind of want to just go back one day and try to get that Platinum. One of these days. Uh, you, anybody else hyped on Bloodborne? Yeah, I mean, I, there's no other way I'm going to play it, really. <laughs> like, I'm one of those people that'll, that have played uh, most of the Dark Souls series on my computer uh, with a controller, uh, thankfully. Um, my controller has a permanent squeak with the right trigger, unfortunately, uh, because of Dark Souls. But um, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Uh, no, I'm, I'm totally hyped for this because normally... Like that's how I that's how I consume most of my games media nowadays. Like just from my computer. So yeah, this is the way. This is the way I would play it. I want to say that this is probably the second best Souls game. I think like, that that and Sekiro. I think are like it's pretty close. I think it's thematically one of the most interesting ones for sure. Uh, I I played the first one or the the only one on PS4 and. I only got through part of the first level before finally giving up after playing like two hours and getting through most of it and just dying and dying and dying. And some games I can tolerate that, uh, but for some reason the the Bloodborne one, especially because there's sort of a, it's, it's very counter based, isn't it, Alex? Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. And and some games that are counter based, like certain like platinum games and stuff like that. I'm okay with because it's more forgiving because one hit isn't going to like half your life. But th- this stuff is so punishing that I, ever since Demon Souls back in the day, I, I I have not been able to re-engage with these series. There, there are definitely things that you get a big reward out of after that twenty, that two hours of punishment when you do finally achieve that win. But I understand that that could be a very high uh, bridge to climb. Yeah, you got to get real good at it. If you can't get mm-hmm. good, then you shouldn't be playing. Yeah, my <laughs> sense is that you you have to have that your singular focus when you're playing it. And uh, I don't play enough video games lately to you know invest enough time to get good. Well, that and keeping in mind, Joel, you kind of so that you learn from your mistakes, you have to play it consistently. So if you drop off and you don't play it for a while, you're probably not going to remember some of the jump scares and some of the things that are hiding, yeah, lying in wait for you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it it really is about memorizing where like the enemy. Like looking at strats is only going to do so much for you. You have to you have to do that boss fight and you have to memorize all of the different uh, combinations and stuff. That's the only reason I made it so far in Neo. Hmm. 
Yeah. I had the same problem with Sekiro. Like I played Sekiro consistently for a week, made a little bit of progress, and then just sort of dropped it because the the barrier to entry, or, or I should say the the level scaling, is just a little too impenetrable for me when I was playing it. And I think you're right. I would, I would need to make it my like singular focus and dedicate myself to it. And uh, I just don't think I'm in the place for that right now. More like the Sekiro to entry. Boo. Oof. Next piece of news. Uh, on a previous episode, we talked about Anthem. Turns out Anthem 2.0 is in development, but may take over a year to fully revamp. I just wanted to bring that up because we talked about Anthem. We went through and played uh, roughly half of it, and apparently the revamp may take much longer. So, if you guys want to finish it, there's still plenty of time. I might. There you go. I, I'm I, in. I mean, you know, no, no joke. I... For the five bucks I paid for, <laughs> it was worth the cost of entry. Uh, it feels cool to fly around and levels. Joel, level Joel and it's not. It's nine o'clock, Joel. <laughs> Damn it! I was. I, I could was hear it. We far, I was hoping we were far enough away from it <laughs> where you wouldn't hear the <laughs> clock. Nope. Uh, yeah. Uh, congratulations, guys. We made it. Woo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would play more of Anthem. As someone who's never played Anthem, is now a good time to jump in. <laughs> if do you? I mean, is it on? P- it is on PC, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I had to think for a second. Yeah, it's EA. They have, they have Origin. Um, if you can find it dirt cheap somewhere, I would say yes. All right. What and, if, and if I you have somebody to play it with? Okay, I was gonna say, what if <laughs> if I'm the only one playing it? Probably not. But yeah. It's still pretty fun, and again, it do, it does hit that Destiny kind of itch where it's like, oh, here's a mission, go out and do it, grind, get that gear, get the loot. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what they nail is that feeling of the pseudo Iron Man kind of being able to zip around and shoot off a million missiles and uh, just dispatch enemies with uh, almost no problems. Like the the power fantasy part of it, at least playing in a group, feels really good. Definitely a good one of those as Iron Man. Now, next piece of news. Ubisoft sues Google for a game ripping off Rainbow Six Siege called Area F2 and wins. Wasn't Apple in on this lawsuit too? (laughs) Right? I didn't know about this. I didn't know that Area F2 was a game by Google that apparently was just ripping off Rainbow Six Siege. I didn't know Area F2 was a thing. Me neither. <laughs> We're bad at this yeah. whole video game thing, guys. We should have known about this. What? It's fine. It's just more the fact of that it's interesting that Ubisoft sued them, being like, no, you can't do this. This is just our game. And then actually winning. Usually those lawsuits don't go anywhere. Is Rainbow Six Siege on uh, Stadia? No. How no, would he no know? Way. Didn't your membership lapse? Uh, I Googled it real quick. Oh, I was going to say, did you re-up your Stadia? <laughs> Nope, but it is coming to it is coming to Stadia, but not yet. Not it's not on there yet. Guys, did you know that Doodle was made by the company that did Stadia? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. They're so talented. There. All right. Well, speaking of Ubisoft, Joel, this is for you. Uh, light teasing of Scott Pilgrim Port. Yes. Multiple people <laughs> were griefing I, them. I I wanted really? excuse to unplug my PlayStation Three finally. <laughs> uh, because right now that's the only way I've got access to it, and they removed it from the PlayStation and Xbox 360 store. Uh, 
because I think of a license, licensing issue back in the day. Uh, that was actually kind of like piggybacked off of the true news of that was, I think, to some sort of re-release of the movie. It's coming to theaters. Okay, yeah. Okay. And, and somebody, respo- somebody responded to uh, Wario64 Twitter saying, like, <laughs> what about the Stop Pilgrim game? Which is like an unrunning joke that people harass the uh, limited run games people about <laughs> every time that they tease a new announcement. And then Ubisoft just did the sort of like thoughtful emoji in response to it, their Twitter account. So uh, I guess that's meant to allude that maybe they have secured the rights to re-release it. I would double dip on that. Absolutely. Especially if it came out on Switch. All right. That was Scott Pilgrim. Next one, uh, G2A. This one I just thought was interesting again because of uh, the way it kind of went through as almost like a lawsuit. Uh, G2A is a website that will sell CD keys, like game keys online, but there's always some sort of kind of in the back end thought that they were selling stolen keys. A lot of, a lot of those sites kind of, that's how, that's kind of how they go is they go into like selling stolen keys on the back end. Well, they offered up uh, a challenge that if anybody could find out that they were selling stolen keys, they would pay them 10 times the amount for each key. Uh, Factorio, the, the devs over at Factorio, uh, who made the game Factorio, uh, made this, they said, okay, fine, we'll take you up on this, found a ton of stolen uh, keys over at G2A, and were paid handsomely. What's handsomely? What kind of dollars are we talking Te- about? Attractively. Uh, ten times the amount so of the game. about 43000 which... Yeah. sounds Ooh. like someone's salary but the thing is and this is kind of the point that I, when I looked into this I was a little bit eh. um, it was done via self audit by G2A in order to verify that those keys were truly uh, stolen so to speak because apparently they had gone through a couple other uh, like third party like verification like I don't know like companies that do this type of stuff and I'm assuming what happened was that they decided that that audit was going to be too expensive and said, oh, no, we're just going to do a self-audit and then verify <laughs> that those keys are actually truly stolen. So I don't know how much of this <laughs> I really believe, but at least they, like, yeah, I don't know, threw him a bone at this point. So Yeah, yeah give him some money. Yeah, self-audit isn't exactly... Uh, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, right. It doesn't scream integrity or anything. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I've always been curious how the the, the game key reselling kind of works. Because I kind of just presumed that with a storefront like Steam, for example, you have the developer, uh, you know, having the game sold directly through and that there would just be a key generation when you purchase direct from steam are are they allowed to like self-generate their own keys from steam and then distribute them to third-party sellers so this is something that i should know um (laughs) yeah that seems like a very targeted question uh (laughs) he ain't asking me that that was an open question in case anybody else knew but i I was hoping maybe I want to say yes, but the thing is, okay, so so here's the deal, which is kind of interesting for Factorio. So there's like a couple of different ways that people can get like quote illicit keys, essentially. Um, one of which is by like region pricing, um, mm-hmm. and so they'll they'll buy a bunch of keys from a certain region, 
that the exchange rate is not like perfect, basically. And so they can take advantage of that kind of stuff. The other one is basically like buying a butt ton of keys whenever there's a sale, essentially. And then just like okay. skimming off the top after the sale is over, essentially. Um, but the thing is with Factorio, um, they've never had a sale. Factorio has never been on sale, period. So hmm. like, and that's, that's part of like, that's part of their model, essentially. Like they've never devalued their game and they constantly, they've just been kind of chugging along like that Dwarf Fortress kind of style of like, sure. it's always been there. It'll always be this price. We will always be adding to it basically like this game is worth it because you see people with, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours into this game. There must be something to it. Um, so it's also very intriguing trying to figure out how these people got these keys in the first place. Especially considering that it's 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 not like a a full sixty dollar game. They've kind of kept it at uh, what thirty dollars. Yeah, it was at and it was at a twenty dollars at one point when it was uh, early access. And then at some point they gave people like fair warning for a while and they're like, hey, we're gonna put it up to 30 because we think it's worth it. And then and then that's when it happened. So yeah, it's it's always been that price. Yeah, and even even looking at it now, it's still in early access. So yeah, that that's a very interesting thing. It, of course it doesn't it doesn't say anything about whether that there was actually anything valid done by G2A because they just probably you know, again, like you said, threw them a bone, but you know, something, something, considering that they were the only dev that took advantage of this challenge is what was interesting to me. And then all of a sudden it came up and they're like, oh, yeah. Okay. I guess we do owe some money somewhere. <laughs> so good on them. Next, I'm actually going to skip over one piece uh, and just go into this last one for here and then I'll bring it back. But we had discussed on a previous episode what kind of concert would you see in game? We were talking about possibly Run the Jewels in GTA. What would be kind of cool? We talked about all the concerts at in Fortnite. We never would have guessed Hatsune Miku in Fantasy Star Online. But that's exactly what's happening. Fantasy Star Online, I believe, comes out at the end of this month. And there will be a concert with Hatsune Miku. That both absolutely made sense and is something I never would have thought of. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You need to have uh, blue hair and be a Vocaloid. Mm-hmm. But it's wild stuff. Also going along with that, Fortnite had the newest trailer from Christopher Nolan. Uh, the movie's called Ten- Tenet, and uh, the new trailer was in Fortnite, along with him announcing that he will be streaming one of his films in Fortnite itself. <laughs> stuff is getting real wild with this online world stuff. Joel, we would never have guessed Christopher Nolan for Fortnite. Did you guys know that Tenet, spelled backwards, is Tenet? You cracked the code. Bull. <laughs> is that what the movie's about <laughs> I should get into Fortnite and watch that now trailer. you know how to find all the good Fortnite secrets before any of the streamers <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christopher Nolan no. I, I'm not ready to have to watch my movies inside the video <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> okay so, so here's my question what movie is it gonna be like is that Inception. what you said he's gonna film one of his movies in there or excuse me, show one of them in there? It's got to be Inception. Yeah, I would say, you know, what's it? You know what would be perfect? Inception. Because that's just like messing with your mind about going deeper in your mind <laughs> while you're in Fortnite. I, I kind of want it to be uh, The Dark Knight. If only because I want the phrase, I'm not wearing hockey pants to dip back into people's regular let's come. <laughs> the thing is, like, Fortnite skews younger, so you would 
assume that it would not be like, I don't know, I'm not as well versed in Christopher Nolan films, but they're not going to be, you know, dropping F-bombs like <laughs> the whole time. Right. So we, I, I'm very interested in terms of like what part of his back catalog he thinks is going to be, uh, I don't know, applicable to like a younger audience at this point. So, well, I think the only ones we have are Dark Knight and and Inception. Maybe Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm not even sure if this is as much about him getting exposure for his movie as much as it's like Fortnite looking for a an event to promote and then paying the payment of Christopher Nolan or the studio for the rights to this is just considered part of their advertising budget to get a pop in the news, right? Because Fortnite is this behemoth, but like unless you're playing it or are engaged in it, it's kind of this low hum of the video game industry, it seems like, right? So kind of like with that last concert or the start of that one season where they like shut everything down for a few days, I, I have to imagine they're doing math and just deciding like, oh, this is a drop in the bucket, but we can get a pop in the news and then get visibility again and get people re-engaged. That's true. Man, can you imagine, though, Memento in Fortnite? <laughs> it's be depressing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were saying Mementos at first, and so I was like thinking like a Persona 5 crossover where it looked like Mementos. I, that might actually bring me into play for a week or two <laughs> or something. Oh, I'd be in that. No, the movie Memento was Christopher Nolan, and that's messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, it wasn't that fun-tacular. And some very tasteful nudes. Joel, who knew you were a pasta master? Can you teach me your recipe? I do not know what Olin fans is. (laughs) Disclaimer. (laughs) It's for nudes. We'll be right back while we explain it to you. with the black dog yeah first time ever nope yeah that that was the first time ever congratulations 65 episodes and i'd never messed 55? up the blog and now we did all right well nobody has evidence of it <laughs> reset the counter <laughs> reset the counter damn it the backlog blog where we play something well probably nothing games that are in our back catalog uh, i'd been playing this game for a while and i brought i dragged joel into it and I'd been wanting to talk about it, if only because it's a personal challenge to me to explain this to Getty. Getty, ask the question. What is Astroneer? <laughs> Not that question. <laughs> Alex, you've explained Pocket Card Jockey to me three times. I don't care. I want to hear Joel's take on it. I want to hear this. Joel, tell me about Pocket Card jo- Jockey. So Pocket Card Jockey is a 3DS game that actually the last time I had played it before recently was when we all met up at NIU to go to the homecoming football game. <laughs> I was playing oh it in God. the hotel room later in the day there. Uh, uh, Pocket Card Jockey is, it is a solitaire game but it is themed with horse racing. Uh, so, you know, you'll see those sort of like arcade games where it's like the horse racing and 
instead of it being like a directly like you're controlling the horse with your inputs it'll be a kind of mini game thing this is kind of the same thing except it is uh it's not exactly traditional uh solitaire but there's basically like a wide board with the stats of cards face up and then you have your face down card and you're having to pull from the top of the layer cards to try to keep a chain going to try to keep on stacking up the different uh, cards uh, up and down the scale from ace to king, right? And that sort of acts as a way to boost your horse's movement. So in a typical race, you'll go through, what is it, like three rounds, Alex? Yeah, it can be three, it can be five. It'll, yeah, it'll be a handful of rounds of this uh, solitaire. And then like depending on how well you do in the solitaire, will give you a certain number of sort of boosts in each turn while you race. And after you do the solitaire, it'll give you the boosts, but then it'll have you swipe on the screen to sort of like give a direction for each movement you're trying to do. So like uh, typical racetrack, you're uh, having a lot of horses sort of bundled together and like keep the flow of traffic stuck and stuff. So like you have to maneuver around certain horses as well while you're trying to move up on the track and so it mixes it together in a really kind of pleasant and fun way without being too stressful now for me that's the exact opposite like thing for it because it stresses me the f out (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why is because you play solitaire you move around the map to make sure you're getting in the optimal position to get more energy you get bonus cards you move in positions but there's so much so many random elements that can happen at any given time and the game actively works against you to kind of make to make so for instance if you don't clear the board your horse gets in a bad mood the worst mood the next time you play you get more cards and the timer is shorter to com- complete solitaire. So the game tends to work against you. Then on top of that, sometimes other horses will bump into you on the map section, send you spiraling to a completely different section of the map, and you, st- your ho- you can't move your horse in any other way. Yep. Things like that where, again, you don't know which cards you're going to get, if things are going to be lucky, you'll get a bad hand. Your... So it's not fully explained if you're how much energy you need to continue having stamina throughout the race. I, it's just all so bonkers. I just I don't know where to go f- through with it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean th- some of that stuff is kind of all over the place. But I, I guess I just sort of rolled with it. Like it, I focused primarily just on the solitaire aspect of it more than anything, and you know the the function of the game in that sense is just very, you know, it's altered, it's, you know, meditative. Yes, there's a timer. So there is a little bit of like a, a hurry up component to it, but it, you sort of did in the groove of, you know, popping up and down the ladder of numbers pretty quick and trying to chain things together and quickly making snap decisions to decide like, okay, am I going to go up or down here? Okay, crap. I, dug myself into a hole i need to go pull another card from this uh reservoir of like what 15 16 cards they give you to pull face up and start over again so uh, yeah i i got more of like the the natural rhythm of almost like a puzzle game out of it 
and then like beyond that the there's sort of like a story mode in this and it's it's pretty thread threadbare in terms of an actual story it's just a pretense to get you to do the different tract of levels they offer you but it, it has a lot of cute writing the the style is very simplistic and very storybookish and cutesy and so it's it's just this really nice pleasant thing to play it's yeah it, it is and yeah uh, it's been made by the people who made the uh, the Pokemons. <laughs> the Pokemons. Yep. So it is. It is game freak. Game freak. Though, yeah, it, it's a good game. I just like the story uh, because you're a guy who wants to race horses, and then you get killed by a horse. Yep. And then a guy <laughs> who's an angel resurrects you and goes, "I'll teach you how to race horses," and you're like, "Cool." End story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Why am I alive again? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then every time it's like you do the race and it's very, the game is very strict on that where you like, as soon as you start the race, you're like, you can't close the 3DS. You close the 3DS, you lose. <laughs> so hope you got time. And they say, make sure your battery's charged because you're in this race now. And at the end, if you lose or win, if you, if you lose, the guy comes up to you and goes, you lost, huh? And you go, yep, I tried. And he goes, okay, next race. So there's that. There's also, I think the end game ends up being making a horse that you kind of do marginally well getting another horse you do marginally well with then breeding them because there's a whole breeding mechanic then you get another horse that is slightly better so i think that's kind of you just got to keep progressing through getting horse and that's kind of also where i started to get a little bit frustrated when i started seeing the gears moving on oh i guess i'm just not going to be good enough because I got perfect solitaire throughout each hand and I get into the final stretch where I don't really have control of my horse and it's pretty much just like a cutscene, and everybody is just demolishing me. And that's because I haven't lost enough times to take that horse and even leveling them up, you you find random cards on the field that you have to be in position to get the cards. Those are your experience points, but you can go through an entire race without getting any of them. So you really have to kind of like, I think, just focus on leveling up a horse enough to then breed it, and then hopefully the next one will be better. That's where I start. Like, I, I pick it up. I will literally play this night and day for 20 hours and then put it down because I'm like, oh, I'm starting to see more and more of the gears turning, of what the game kind of expects of me, and that becomes a little less fun when the game is built to make you lose. Andrew, have you ever taken a look at Pocket Card Jockey? I have not. So this, I am just like letting this wash over me as a sea of <laughs> horse-based information. It's just, it doesn't it doesn't come off as like horse information because when you play it, the rules are it's just there is there's like four different books that are just there to explain to you how to play this game because it ends up getting so complicated. <laughs> yeah, and the horse racing really is just the framework for the gameplay itself it's like it provides the guardrails of sort of what your overall aim is but functionally you're playing a very gamey thing that doesn't feel like actual racing yeah just solitaire now you brought us two games that i am very interested in because i haven't played either of them but i have followed them extensively enough to know a lot about them yeah Andrew, where do you want to start? Abzu you or know, Astro Let's, let's start with the Abzu, because I think there's a little bit more of a story there, at least on my side, about <laughs> how I came to finally play Abzu. So I think it was like last year or the year before, I was looking for a nice game to just unwind and relax with. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like the ocean. I like fishes. 
let me go check this game. I can't remember what it's called. Let me go look for some ocean-based games, whatever. I didn't pick Abzu. I picked Subnautica. Now, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Subnautica, but the game is, like, relatively chill in the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. And then some things happen. (laughs) (laughs) And then some things happen that I don't want to give away because I do dearly love that game. Um, uh, Things happen that make it less uh, tranquil and serene. Let's just say that much. Um, So... I'm sure that game get, goes like almost like straight up. Horror. Um, yeah, there's some there's some stuff there. There's some like legit fear based stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's um it's very interesting. Um, there are some nasty monsters there. But regardless, yeah, I was looking for something, and then I found that. Well, it was a very good experience. It wasn't exactly what I the game that I thought it was. Um, so come about I don't know a couple of weeks ago, maybe 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 a little bit longer. Um, you know, quarantine time, looking for some like de-stressors and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to find that game again (laughs) because I didn't quite find it the first time and I found it this time. Uh, So Abzu is basically, uh, so you're familiar with walking simulators, yeah? Yeah. So this is a swimming simulator. (laughs) Um, Basically, it is a semi kind of gated experience where you are... um, something, someone, a a robot, a human, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to give anything too much away, but you are a humanoid shape with flippers and you are swimming around these absolutely beautiful kind of um, underwater scenes, basically. And you're interacting with these biomes and they happen around you and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of explore the area and activate these uh, kind of like tide pools, so to speak, to add more uh, flora and fauna into the situation, basically. Um, and after a little while, you go to uh, some more and more, it looks like uh, kind of like bleached coral and all that kind of stuff, some like areas of decay. And your your goal, it seems, is to like restore these places back to their previous kind of um, natural wonder by reintroducing stuff back into the ecosystem by, well, finding it, basically. Um, and the game, as you go a little bit farther, um, as with a lot of these seemingly unassuming games, um, it starts to tell a little bit of a story. There is, like, a quasi-antagonist in it, um, but, like, generally, you, there's no, like, danger to your character for the most part it's like there's like none of that there's like there's not even like a breath counter or anything like you're you're fine you're just swimming around um so it's it reminds me a lot of like journey for the most part where it's a lot Mm. of exploration there's a lot of pretty scenery you can interact with some stuff um there's a little bit of like well so while um journey has like some like light platforming and there's a little bit of like finessing with that um Abzu has like a kind of, I don't know what you would call it, like a kind of system where you can tap rhythmically um, in a certain order to go like faster, basically, when you're swimming. Um, And both of those games have like small, like collectible uh, stuff that you can pick up on the way. But they are, for the most part, very linear style games. I think I got through Abzu in like two or three hours. Um, I didn't get absolutely all of the little trinkets and stuff like that and I didn't get all these like tide pools or whatever that release like extra things going on into the ecosystems but I got 
all the way through it. And, you know, I can't remember how much it cost me. It wasn't that much. It's definitely not like a, quote, full price game. Um, but I don't know. It was really a good way to just like wind down, uh, crack open a beer on a Friday night and just play through like a, a, a gated experience, basically. Like like someone was like holding my hand through this thing. Um, and it was good. I, I don't know. I, I had a really good time with it, basically. There's a lot of those kinds of games. I, I, I know that me and Joel have specifically kind of like sat our wives down even and we're like, no, can we please try this game and just like play it for like two hours and just like relax and yep. there those games like yeah like Journey are very special. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and this game actually has. There's, there's like, also like an ongoing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. There's also like an ongoing argument on whether what is better, uh, Journey or Flower. You see, I've never actually played Flower, so maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should do that. I think it's out on PC. Now. Yes, they are. Uh, as long as you can tolerate the Epic Game Store. <laughs> I, I isn't a uh, Journey also on there. I, I I'm not sure if they... I believe so. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh they're both very worthy games to play. And uh, I mean even uh even Sky, which was the iOS one, and that has a few microtransaction hooks into it, and I don't feel it's as uh, complete an experience as the other two even that's worth checking out in my opinion they they sort of they sort of lent the same kind of uh whimsical look to the uh dreamlike state that it kind of gives off and uh, all very uh beautifully composed soundtracks too and i believe sky is coming to pc uh very soon i think you're right yeah oh excellent yeah it's, yeah on pc uh very soon so Abzu, uh, that's a that's that's actually on my list. So I think that might be something I'm gonna can, I'm gonna push uh, push one day. Just be like, okay, this is it. We're gonna play Abzu. <laughs> now, the other one, the sillier kind of can be a kooky adventure one, Astroneer. Yeah, Andrew, tell me about Astroneer. So Astroneer is also. <laughs> A little bit of a quest to find a multiplayer experience that I can play with my partner that is not like stressful in terms of survival kind of stuff. Um, let's let's say Don't Starve Together did not go over well <laughs> because of I don't know if you've ever played that, but there is like that game is relatively okay going through it, and there's no like real danger until the when you start getting those like I don't even know what they are like shadow pig things that start coming at you. Oh, and it's like, brutal. well, all right, never mind. I'm good now. <laughs> like, I don't know how to deal with these things. Let's play something else. So Astroneer, uh, I believe um, you're watching Giant Bomb. And I believe there's a there's a couple of people on there who are playing through Astroneer. And we're like, that looks pretty chill. Um, and we're both really big into like explore exploration kind of style games. So Astroneer is basically a... Oh man, I'm trying to figure out a way to describe this. It's it's basically like a physics simulation, space exploration, terraforming style game where similar to like say a Minecraft or something like that, um you're you're kind of like building up a little base on a planet and you are uh terraforming the area around you to collect materials to make things. There's kind of a little system with providing power to say like your furnace or um, like your your buggies that you can create to zoom around the world a little bit, it's it's very chill. There's only a couple things you really have to um, manage for your actual character, and that is 
primarily your breath counter, essentially. Um, the game does a lot of that kind of like uh, dead space style UI, which everything is like, everything's like on your backpack. You have your power there. Your breath meter is on your backpack. You can like see exactly what you're doing, which is really good for like the immersive quality for this game. Um, but there's basically what you're most concerned about is making sure that your your, your breath meter is not zero um, because your character will die. Um, but you can get like, basically when your character dies, they drop their backpack and you can go find the backpack again. You just grab all the stuff off of it. Um, but the way that you keep your breath is that you put down these like tethers, so to speak. And as long as you have a chain of these, these like pylons, these little pylons that you put in the ground, um, they can provide oxygen to you as long as they're like eventually connect back to your main base. Um, so you're basically like walking around this planet um, that is actually relatively small, like small enough that you can see like the curvature of it, which is pretty interesting. Um, and you go around like exploring it, delving really deep inside of the planet. There's like caverns upon caverns and stuff like that. And there's a lot of hijinks that can go <laughs> go on with uh, kind of the terraforming aspect with where multiple people are trying to terraform the same area and you can just like dig the other person to the sun of the earth if you really want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it's, it's, it's really fun. And with that game, basically like you can play it as chill as you want and you generally won't feel like any pressure or any kind of like imminent danger. Um, but if you're like playing loose with it and you, you get, you're like getting impatient you, and you like it basically, if you open yourself up to, you know, I'm okay with dying randomly. If it was, if, if I like do something stupid, then yeah, it's going to happen probably. Like you're going to get cut off from your oxygen supply. If you like, you know, dig yourself deep down into a hole and then forget about like putting tethers down or something like that. Or, you know, if someone else is terraforming around you and they accidentally terraform under you and then there's a cavern under you, yeah, you're going to, you're probably going to fall. <laughs> but it, overall, generally, like it's been a really chill game. Um, you can hop around to different planets and stuff like that eventually when you make um, like different like uh, landers and stuff like that, different uh, spaceships basically to get different resources that are only on certain planets. And the whole experience is just like, it's really nice. There's a little bit of jank with the UI sometimes because it is one of those types of UI that's like, oh, I have to press, I have to click on this thing that has like a physical component in the UI space and like all that kind of stuff. There's a little bit of funky stuff with that. But um, once you get like beyond that and get into the, like the headspace of the game and how it wants you to play, it's really, it's really chill. You can just go into our corner and just like mind to the center of the earth for a while and just do that and get into that kind of like that Minecraft mode of just like Zen, like, yeah, I'm just going to do this for a while. I'm going to go like concentrate on this little area of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that seems like a nice like partner game. I know that uh, my partner and I just like, we got lost in Minecraft for like six hours. So i I, this is on Game Pass too, so it makes me think that okay, let's have a night in and just okay, had dinner, had some wine. Let's. Was play that Aspen supposed here. to be like ironic? Have a night in. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm keeping us. I'm keeping us outside of reality. Why you got to bring reality? Yeah, back you, in? you don't want to be reminded about work. I don't want to be reminded about that. <laughs> hey, I've been playing way too much Persona. I feel like I'm a teenager in high school right now, okay? <laughs> oh, Persona. 
But yeah, Astroneer, I liked the way it looked because of the way the UI being at right on your backpack. And then I've seen how far that game has come because I remember it was in early access for a while. And But they, they've added so much stuff, including like buggies and spaceships. You can make your own spaceship and stuff like that. So I'm kind of curious how deep that rabbit hole goes with them updating it. But uh, Astroneer is uh, a very interesting game that I want to look into further. But for now, let's KO Ken times 10 our way into our bonus segment, Guest Spot, with Andrew Trahan. Hey, that's me. That is you. Thank you again for yeah, coming on course. the show. It's really pleasure. appreciate it. We kind of trying to be and revisit some of our older stuff, just talking about our, our our humble beginnings and kind of where we're at now. And you were obviously our first interview. So tell us a little bit about you're currently, what are you currently working on? So right now, uh, I am working on a game called Steam Hounds, which is a competitive turn-based multiplayer kind of combat game, um, which is basically, uh, you have like a group of these like steampunk mercenaries and you go and battle other people essentially. And they all have abilities and stuff like that. And you can get these cool combos off and it's, it's a highly tactical game. So picture like how characters are designed in say like an XCOM or say like a League of Legends style thing. Um, in our game, you basically pick a squad of three unique like champions kind of characters. Um, they all have different abilities and you can use those uh, together to get off these really cool combos in this turn-based combat against your opponents. And there's a big positional element where different characters will benefit from other characters depending on what, quote, stances they're using. That's kind of our special thing that we've kind of used, which is these passives that are you get to toggle between during the fight that allow you to, say, like, assist an ally with attacking an opponent or get off some, like, cool defensive, like, bonus and stuff like that. So I, we've been working on this uh, for a few years now, um, and we're 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 getting to a point where we're hitting that uh, quality level that we're just about ready to really explode and show everybody, um, you know, what this game can really do. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, your community, and you've been pumping out these tournaments of people trying to play the game because the game does remind me almost like a really cool like versus chess like chess with again like you said a little bit more XCOM elements to it how are the how have the tournaments been they've so been far? really good we've gotten a lot of good feedback um so what we've been doing semi recently is we're kind of on this two week patch cycle um and every time we drop one of those patches we'll have a tournament on the weekend um, so people can really get in there with other people and they'll, they'll have a place to uh, interact with each other. Uh, because with a game like this, um, you really want to play against another player. Um, you know, the AI can only do so much. Uh, so playing against another player is really where the fun of this game comes out. So we are basically like giving people a place to play all at the same time. And the tournaments have gone really well. Um, we've been live streaming it. I've done commentary on the top of it. Um, and we've had a, a good amount of people show up. Um, there, we've, have, we've had like little prizes and stuff like that uh, where you can get like Steam gift cards and whatever um, for, for placing first and second. Um, 
and people seem to really enjoy it. Um, you know, for for a little while, we were kind of you know uh, nose to the grindstone, stone rather, um, working on this game, and then we're like, you know what, we really need to get the community involved with this because feedback at this point is like super helpful, super important, super helpful. So we're like, hey, let's try to engage our community a little bit more. Let's try to get people together to play against each other because there's definitely people who play, um, but they don't always have someone to play against on the regular. So I'm like, all right, let's get everybody in. And it's been really fun interacting with the community, seeing how they respond to different uh, changes and new content that we've put out in these patches. Um, we recently added another character um, and we put them into the tournament and then we get got a lot of good feedback from um, our the people who have participated and we integrated that into the next patch. So we're like, yeah, we're, we're definitely listening to people and we're actively putting stuff in the game that they've said, like that they've definitely asked for. Um, so there's like, whether that's like specific changes to certain characters or things that they've been looking forward to they're like hey it would be really cool if you guys could get this into the game at some point and all that kind of stuff so we are like really actively listening to our players to give them what they they want basically like what they want to see out of the game that's a that's a perfect way of implementing your community to kind of help out adjust give new ideas that's that's one of my favorite things about game development is when you work with your community you can have these ideas and changes and it's it's funny when you get to the bigger industry you start to see people who don't listen to their community and have these really big problems i know that uh, one of our friends of the podcast producer steve is actually writing something about working with your community to to develop a game especially with these games being like you know games as a service he just is very interested on those people who end up not listening to their community and kind of where it leads their game and as a big project versus working together to kind of come up with these new ideas and adjust accordingly. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely tough. It's it's a balancing act really because a lot of sometimes people are very um opinionated <laughs> um and yeah. uh, sometimes you're the the loudest members of your community are not necessarily the most engaged or they don't necessarily speak for the rest of your players. So you really have to take everything with a grain of salt. Like definitely as much as you can, dig into their concerns, see what, try and try to find what's underneath like the face value comments to see what really is like, what really is like a pain point for them and try to figure out or like, all right, like they want this, but do they, they really actually want this result as opposed to this specific thing that they want in the game basically. Um, so sometimes it's more of figuring out what, what they actually want and then, <laughs> and then finding a way to integrate that into the game um, in a way that kind of works with your vision of what this game is going to look like as well. Uh, because you still need to have that central vision for what you're creating um, as your like your your touchstones, basically, like your pillars of design. Like as if you've designed the game around that, and you know that the core is is good. Like you don't want to make any like changes down the line that are like radically different <laughs> unless it's like a very, very calculated change, like a calculated pivot. Um, and then, you know, at that at that point, like all bets are off. But um, yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting uh, for different different types of games. 
um, you have to figure out how much community input is like beneficial to the direction of your game and like when do you bring people in to the fold and like how many people is that like do you take like your your top 20 uh like power players in and did you do you bring them into the inner circle and give them like patches early or do you just like let it go and <laughs> whoever interacts with it interacts with it like it, it's more of a problem for larger games from studios that have big track records and they have a lot on the line so sometimes it's not always uh, practical to be able to open stuff up to everybody. Um, and a lot of those studios, they, they need that hype of the, of the unknown, basically. Um, but the issue with indies is that they don't have any built-in hype. We don't have a track record. Um, we, yeah. like, what we show people is, <laughs> that's what we've got, <laughs> basically. So the hype is from, this is what we have, as opposed to, this is what could be. So we, it, we have to make sure that what we have and what people are interacting with is good and people like it. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult balance. Yeah. It's a, it's a mix where you have to go and go one way and then go. It's, it's again, all being able to adjust when you're part of a bigger company, it can be much harder to pivot in a lot of cases, but at least with you guys, you know, you can kind of go back and forth and, really pick and choose who gets moved up to where and what changes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were talking about Anthem before and that, that is such a huge pivot and I cannot even start to think about how, how they're handling the redesign. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There, I mean, games have done it. Like, uh, you know, you've seen Fortnite. Like that was not, that was not originally the, uh, the vision for that game. Um, but they, no. you know, they did what they needed to do. So it, sometimes a pivot can really benefit you. Uh, and we've had a couple of situations um, with talks with various publishers and stuff like that. And some people want some things and some people want other things to be in the game. And they want us to focus on certain aspects of the game. And when you think you're going to go with uh, a certain direction, you, you put everything into it, basically. Um, but when, you know, when things don't progress the way they, you think they are, or if you, you know, uh, relationships go somewhere else professionally, um, you have to reevaluate, um, and really take advantage of what you have currently, as opposed to what you could get with like a relationship with another, like a publisher basically. So you have to make your core good <laughs> like the core of the game needs to be good and then you can adapt it to something else if it's if it's good how many battle royales can you get oh my gosh uh <laughs> man i i'm not gonna lie thinking about a turn-based battle royale game has has definitely actually uh seeped its way into my brain at one point <laughs> so uh that it's there are ways that you could probably make that work but out of all the pivot points, all the pivot points, I'm not sh quite sure we've got that one. <laughs> Is there a point in development where you guys made a change that you felt fairly confident about, but then found out that it was a, a bad idea and had to sort of roll back that change? Uh, so, luckily, um, we haven't had too many situations where we have really um, invested an incredible amount of time into something that was completely abandoned. Um, there have been a couple of things where we have 
Like it, it's not like a bet on something where it's like a core feature of the game. It was more like so for example, like the combat in our game has always pretty much been the way it has been. Um, with the exception of uh, one of the subsystems, it's called Focus, which basically allows your character to um, not take uh, an action or part of an action on your turn, essentially, in order to save a resource to get out like a really cool move later on down the line. That wasn't always in there. But the thing is, even that is a mechanic that was built on a base. So... That's like, uh, in terms of like our combat, which is the core of the game, there haven't been too many like steps back in terms of that development. Now, we have developed a decent amount of um, like design, basically. We've, we've done a lot of design on our single player aspect of the game. And over the past couple of years, that vision has changed a lot. Um, we originally actually going to do something um, that really resembled Darkest Dungeon by a lot, which was actually physically moving your crew through rooms, essentially. And, you know, some of them have Ooh. battles in them, some of them don't. Um, it, but the thing is, like, we always knew that we were going to focus on kind of uh, storytelling with these missions, essentially, in our single player. So that core has never been... Mm -hmm. That, that has that has never been like a question like it has always been like there are going to be like choose your own adventure prompts in there um, where you are being described what's happening as opposed to just wandering through a dungeon and killing bad stuff um, so there there really hasn't been too too much and but the thing is like every time we try to uh, make something, uh, in the game that has to do with some kind of like tech, some kind of system that we've created, there's always stuff to learn from that. Um, so, and and if you're if you're clever, you can find ways to work that into other stuff. So, for example, um, way back, this was at least a couple of year, years ago. I think this was very early on. We were originally thinking of having like equipment for our characters. And so we went down like a really big rabbit hole of basically uh, implementing a Diablo style prefix and suffix system into items. And that's a wild system that it's actually a little bit more complex than it looks sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But oh no, yeah, Seems and, like it. Uh, but we implemented it, it existed. Um, but the thing is we eventually decided that like equipment for the characters, at least right now, um, that would, that's, it's, it's not necessary for these characters. And then we had a thought that like, oh man, if we have like equipment for the characters in the single player and there's no equipment for the characters in the multiplayer, like how is a player going to be able to tell the difference between like expected damage values without actually looking at like the numbers? Like n normally if a player plays single player and multiplayer, they're gonna pretty much expect the characters to work exactly the same. And so we're like, you know what? Let's not do equipment. Let's do something else. But that system is still somewhere. The code is somewhere. Um, but the thing is, like, you can still... Our, our, our programmer, Jason, he still learned how to do a bunch of stuff from that. And we have gained from that knowledge. Like, we've, he's figured out how to do other things algorithmically um, that have helped us um, with generating extra stuff, like generating missions and stuff like that. Like, there's, there's still stuff to learn. 
like and if you don't learn from that kind of stuff like try to try to <laughs> try to figure out how you can because it can be demoralizing sometimes if you like have a huge section of a game and then eventually it needs to be scrapped for whatever reason if it's because of scope if it's because of budget if it's because of um fit like just understand that like do a post postmortem on it like really analyze what you did and why you did it and then figure out why it wasn't the right choice and then you can definitely have some good takeaways for when you go and start really focusing on a, another aspect of design like make sure that the lessons that you learn from developing that now unused um, concept, you know, you're going to be using that knowledge that you gain from there because you did work. So, and if you do work, hopefully you learn something. <laughs> That's kind of like the goal for the most part. So, well, then going along with that, I got to ask is there any other kind of on the side projects you're kind of dabbling in or working on? Anything that you're kind of messing with on the side? Oh, gosh. Um, so, um, man, <laughs> I actually started picking up coding again. Um, I haven't touched code in about six years. Um, I actually, I went to school for electrical and computer engineering. Um, so it's not like I've never touched code before. <laughs> um, but I just haven't had to do it. Uh, our, our programmer is very, very talented. And it, our, the game is in its own engine. Like he programmed the engine. So like it, he's very much like entrenched in that code. So for me to pick something up in order to get back into there, like there's just no need for it at this point. Like he's got everything under control. Um, so I haven't had I haven't really had like a, a real reason to get back into coding for the most part. But um, I have like a little bit more time on my hands right now uh, with the current situation it being what it is. Um, so I'm like, you know what? Let's get back into this with the eventual idea of being able to um, do some just create some like more systems narrative kind of focused stuff that I can maybe implement and say, you know, um, either Unreal or Unity even, you know, um, because uh, I have way too many ideas <laughs> and uh, ideas aren't <laughs> worth anything until you've seen it in action, basically. Like you can have a thousand ideas and but if you don't test them out, if you don't try them, like it could be anything. It's like it has limitless potential until you've either got it down on paper or in code. Uh, so in order to really figure out if your ideas are valid, you need to interact with them. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, I've actually been uh, developing a uh, card game with my partner, actually. Um, she's a very uh, talented uh, graphic designer and illustrator. And uh, it's, we were eventually, we were trying to... <laughs> Um, before before the coronavirus hit, basically, I said the c word. Excuse me. Um, before <laughs> Get out. before this whole situation happened, we were uh, we kind of like had this little challenge for ourselves that we were going to uh, apply to a local um, independent games festival uh, up in Boston called Boston Fig. Um, but uh, and then we 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 developed the game. We have like paper prototypes. We played against each other for hours and hours and hours, like balancing this thing. Um, and we had, we like made a video to apply to uh, the event. And you know they received it. Everything was good. And then we got like an email a couple of weeks back, and they're like, you know what? Let's not do this whole like big in person event thing. That's probably a bad idea right now. <laughs> so. 
<laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, so we did do a lot of work on that, but that's a little bit, that's kind of like put on the shelf for now. But yeah, there's, there's always side projects. There's, there's, there's way too many. There's always, <laughs> there's always something going on. Well, I'm always down for card games. So if you guys ever get that ball rolling, uh, you know. What <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm in on that too. These guys have been playing Casa and what was it? And uh, Mag- uh, Magic yep. Arena. Yep. No, we're profit. You guys, you guys love some card games. Yeah, I'm a sucker for them. What can Slate I say? Aspire. Yeah. <laughs> Pocket card. <junkie. laughs> yes. I don't know. They. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing Ancient Enemy as well, um, which recently came out. Which you're more a little bit more classic solitaire kind of stuff. So if you're into that, with solitaire with RPG elements and combat. Ancient. Ancient Enemy. enemy yep. I've actually just yeah, Graylian Games. Um, that's a developer that has been out around for a while, and I, I really admire his work um, just because of his tenacity to like stay in the business as an indie uh, by themselves for as long as they have. Um, yeah, this it's a re- it's a good time. Like I I, I kind of crushed through it in about like ten to twelve hours, about on like the quote regular difficulty level. But it's a really just like kind of chill like flow style solitaire game with some like combat to it. So if you've ever played something like Solitarica, um, similar to that, you have like abilities and whatever. And but anyway, that's a that's a whole other thing. But <laughs> highly highly recommended. <laughs> I think, from I, me. think I unlocked. I think I unlocked everything in Solitarica, so now you're actually selling me. <laughs> I, I, too, went through uh, quite a, a multi-year phase with Solitarica. So. And I'm going to open the Google Play Store, and it's back on my phone. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, okay, let's get on it. Uh, now, just one last thing we're kind of uh, wondering about. Uh, well, how's have you been traveling for shows or anything like that? Like, you had to travel right... We're like, oh, we should do another interview. And then you're like, well, I'm traveling and all this stuff. <laughs> what, uh, what's been going yeah, on with that? So we've, uh, be- before, you know, the last couple of months, we've we've been around to different places. Um, let's see. Uh, last year, I was in the UK uh, for an event. Uh, so uh, EGX Res, actually. That was a lot of fun. That was the first time I actually got to, to meet my fellow developers in person, which was wild. <laughs> um, that was really cool. Um, sure. we've been to multiple DreamHack events. Um, we actually, oh man, we, we were in Atlanta. Um, and we were also in one, uh, I think the last one that we were at was at, at Anaheim actually for that DreamHack. And, um, we actually won the like pitching competition there. Uh, so that was cool. <laughs> A, a little bit of money in the bank there. That was nice. Um, not like a huge game changer, Very but nice. it was it was certainly validating. So that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we've been we we've been trying to get to as many kind of like events as we can. Uh, that's like within reason for the most part. Um, but you know, stuff is a little bit on hold for now. Um, you know, I'd love for like this time next year or something like that. Um, to be able to bring this game to PAX East. I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the goal right now. With me being so close to Boston at this point, it's a no brainer. So if we can get in there, you know, <laughs> it could be good. I mean, it, it, we have a couple of options with like Indie Mega Booth, and I know PAX has their own. I think it's PAX Rising, I believe they have their own thing. So I have no doubt that this time next year, it's definitely it's definitely a possibility. Very cool. And what did you, you been playing anything else besides uh, Abzu and? Oh Astrid? man, uh, <laughs> let me boot up Steam real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, I 
funnily enough, I decided to uh, I had I had an itch that could only be scratched by Mass Effect. <laughs> so yeah. I decided wow. I decided to try to get back into Mass Effect. Downloaded that thing. There's like a thousand mods at this point. There's actually a standalone launcher mm -hmm. for a mod manager specifically for Mass Effect mods, which is wild. Uh, so I got everything installed. I was playing it. I got like a decent amount of the way through, and then uh, and then the the flaws, the blemishes of the of the first Mass Effect reared their ugly head. Uh, so. <laughs> the long loading times. Oh uh, man, it's mostly so the two. There's there's two things in this game. Um, one of which is the difficulty spikes in the combat. Um, there are very random difficulty spikes, and there are actually just like only a couple things, only a couple enemies that are actually a problem in that game. When the difficulty spikes, um, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> the snipers in this game are absolutely brutal, especially if you play a class that can only wear light armor. Uh, so True. Uh, there are situations in this game where they put snipers in a tiner, uh, tiny, tiny box, basically. Um, like when they're out in the open, that's fine. You can die of an undercover, all that good stuff. But if you've got uh, aggressive, aggressive snipers uh, roving around in packs. Uh, I'm looking at you, uh, the, the first, um, oh gosh, what are they called? Um, the, uh, the, the evil human stuff. Uh, <laughs> what are their names? I can't remember. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's like the, the corporation that kind of goes rogue. Um, Cerberus? Yeah, Cerberus. Thank you. Yeah. One of the first Cerberus mission, they have you go into basically these, like, these kill boxes with snipers yeah, Inside. I know what you're talking about. Yep. And With all the boxes around in the yep. room and you're trying to, yep. That, yep. that room sucks. It, it's, uh, it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really bad when to the two snipers, the AI decided to be aggressive and they actually just like made them roam around as a pack walking around corners and just insta-sniping me through full health and a almost fully upgraded barrier ability. And I'm like, well... I can't do anything. <laughs> There's nothing for me to do. So I'm going to put down the controller and then tomorrow I'm going to go <laughs> grind through some mainline missions because I've done literally one of them. Like I, I picked up like Liara and that's about it. So I'm like, maybe it's time to go do some mainline missions to get like some more levels under my belt. So maybe I can get some better armor to go back yeah, but to this. They, but they've really opened that game up to you after they're just like, all right, here's the Normandy. Have fun. And then you could go pretty much every to all the planets, or a good majority of them, and then find stuff that's way too difficult to do right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it's between that and um, I've always played as Vanguard, I believe it's called, which is like the uh, medium armor assault rifle biotic, I believe. Yeah. So I've never really had a problem with the combat like ever in this game. So I decided this time to do the tech and biotic that has like no armor and no guns at all. But you can and, hack everything. Yeah, well, I mean, that's great. I have like a thousand abilities, but they just don't do damage. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't do enough. So <laughs> it's fun, but there there are some like situations where the game's like, all right, mm, you need to play it a certain way. Why don't you go, why don't you go back and do something first and then come back? But uh, yeah, I... You know, in terms of like the current situation, like going back to these like, you know, uh, these chicken soup style games, I guess you could call them like stuff that you've played like a thousand times before. But 
there's always something a little bit more that you can go back to. And it just like feels good to, you know, reintroduce yourself to characters and stuff like that and be like, yeah, this is why I played this game a lot. Um, you know, it feels good, except when you <laughs> get to those situations. Um, and this is always just why I keep on saying to myself, why didn't I just play Mass Effect 2? Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just go back to that. It's fine. <laughs> Surprised some of those mods didn't make it like at least a little bit more like uh, visually, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I kind of wanted to like not touch the gameplay stuff, um, specifically just for the reason of like I wanted to, I want, I want to see how that game plays, uh, like how it feels to play because I actually didn't play the Mass Effect series uh, until very late, until all three of like all three. Um, we're not going to count Andromeda right now. But like the the first trilogy was released, like I didn't play until well after all three of the games were done, and I played them back to back all the way through. So like my my like memory of those games is one big blur. So it's like my experience with them has what is like in my memory is just universally great <laughs> because I can't pick apart like my like individual gripes about any of the games because the the series as a whole is like at least in my opinion, is very good. Um, so, like, yeah, it's just one big game to me. So going back and realizing, like, okay, I'm going to play, like, the first game, um, you know, it, it has its limitations. It's Bioware trying to figure out what they're doing, um, like, post, like, their early, like, RPGs and stuff and trying to have, like, a more combat-focused thing. So, like, you, you have to appreciate, like, what they're trying to do and, like, how far they've come. No, completely. And that that's how I played them, too, and... So I could I could see the progression of how the game played, and each one of them for me was a, a fantastic time and place. But yeah, I've, I've also played a very little of Andromeda. That's <laughs> okay. okay. So with that, we're gonna move on to one last thing. One last thing is we have one last sa- one last sentence, one last statement. Take us into the weekend, and you, the listener, into the weekday. For me, I am excited for Memorial Day weekend. Got some steaks, got the grill ready, got some Persona 5 Royal. America. Joel? I think after this, we're going to go watch some Hoarders. I saw it was on Netflix, and, uh, you know, I, I find that I, I rarely watch these shows anymore, but for some reason, like, I'm not sure if it's the sense that, like, seeing people who are, you know... <laughs> in a worse off state than us and being like well it could be worse it makes us feel a little better uh watching a kind of television but it always makes me feel like i need to clean after i'm done watching that show so uh wish me luck that i'm not clean at midnight tonight yeah. watch out for the spiders <laughs> getty oh yeah avoid Thanks. the spiders yeah. <laughs> My one last thing is about Joel. I was uh, creeping on the PSN earlier, and I see that you fired up some Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, Does that mean you're going to be able to report back soon? Well, I'm glad you weren't creeping on my OnlyFans page. But the... uh, I I expect I'll actually start that sometime soon here. I'm actually playing Final Fantasy VI right now. So I'm I'm trying to uh, marathon that not quite as quickly as Heartwedge. I booted that up to take a look at the opening mm-hmm, sequence yeah. because I just wanted to to bask in the current gen graphics sure. of my nostalgia. Okay, just making sure. That's it. That's my one last thing. <laughs> it's everything that you remember, like which is weirder because that's not how it looked when we remember it. Yep. 
Andrew? Uh, I've got a three-day weekend with a lot of Astroneer on my plate. Uh, just Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing doing some Astroneer and just some digging. Sometimes you just need to dig. And again, that, that only encourages me that I might do the same. So we'll see how my partner takes it. And that will be it for this week's Super GG Radio. Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at Super GG Radio and twitch.tv slash Super GG Radio, where Joel and Kelly are, uh, what, what did you guys, play? Did, did you really try to get her into Chrono Trigger? Yeah, I did. Uh, we are starting a weekly stream now of, don't have co-op, our 2D Tuesday slash Wednesday, and, uh, be having some coffee and playing some Chrono Trigger. Uh, gonna give Kelly a crash course in RPGs and see if it's something that she's able to uh, grasp and appreciate better than some other things I've had her dabble in. Uh, I sort of hope the RPG stuff would make it easier, but uh, we're already finding a few road bumps, but we'll see if we can get past that learning curve. That seems like such a... That's, that seemed like a steep choice. I was like, oh, wow. You're really gonna do it. I don't know. I just thought like menu menu selections and uh, exploring would be something that she'd be able to pick up. So we'll, we'll see. Also, me and Beth are making it our way through a way out. Kevin and Sam are keeping on and keeping it together. I think they're still recording. That's, he texted me earlier. They're still going. And uh, we're gonna be trying to go back to Magic the Gathering stream. Unfortunately, uh, Alex' basement flooded. So we had to put the kibosh yep. on it last weekend. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provided reviewed on iTunes or the Steam Hound of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Getty. GG. GG Joel. Good game. And GG Andrew. Good night, everybody.